Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer. Man, I'd love to meet that guy one day, by the way, David Olson. For two years now, he's been introducing our show and never met the guy. I feel like I know him, but uh, never met him. I'd like to meet him on a more personal basis, maybe uh, break cocktail with him at some point. Yes, David? I've been here five years, and I've never met the guy, so. <laughs> All right, so you got three years on me. Welcome, everybody. TalkZone.com. It is, indeed, the two guys at a mic show talking sports and more here for the next 58 minutes and 21 seconds. But who's counting? Big Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. NBA playoffs. Lots of baseball to talk about. The NATO Summit. New breakthrough uh, investigative doctoral physician releases in the Travion Marshall Travion Martin, George Zimmerman case. We'll talk about that. We like to jump off the sports page here early and often. Got the Preakness, the big Kentucky, uh, the big horse race, rather, coming up this weekend as well. 888-463-6748, the phone number. We will play a little bit of the Talk Zone's award-winning music, and then we will get this show started. We're kicking off today from the 30-yard line. But you also have, it has not come out yet. I guess it's coming out today. But David Olson, I don't know if you're aware or not. This is pretty cool. Waiting for the big dog to check in. Apparently, uh, Jabari Parker, the high school basketball star from Chicago, is on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Not kids. Not SI for kids, but the cover of the big Sports Illustrated. This guy's had a um, reputation and a big name since his freshman year. He's only a junior. So he is still a year away from even committing to college to find out which lucky college will get him for one year before he goes to the NBA. But, uh, wow, can you imagine putting that kid on the cover, the pressure he must feel? And it's not only the story of a great player, but it's the story of a great kid. I think that's the reason they put it on there. Right, but the, but the big headline is he might not go to college. He that's might, go, exactly he might right. go on a missionary trip for two yep. years. He's a Mormon. He is a Mormon, and he uh, badly wants to do that trip for two years. He also says, and he admits freely, is the, the dream of every basketball player, and he is indeed a basketball player, is to get to the NBA, and I think he said he's no different. So he's torn between that. But uh, apparently I read where, what is it, 3% of the Mormon population is African-American. 3%. Jabari Parker's dad, I want to say, played in the NBA, too. Played professionally, uh, so he's got great guidance, a very disciplined homestead, a very unique kid, obviously phenomenal talent. Also in there it says, I believe, best player, best high school kid says LeBron James. <laughs> How about putting pressure on a kid? Jabari Parker, best high school player says LeBron James. Welcome to the pressure, Jabari Parker. You have kept your feet on the ground thus far, but uh, I don't know if he can keep a Keep a, a level head through that kind of pressure. But apparently it's coming out today. And I know the big dog, uh, you know, anxiously looks forward to the swimsuit issue of the Sports Illustrated, but I'm kind of looking forward to uh, the Jabari Parker issue, which I believe is coming out today. We'll check our mail. I get Sports Illustrated for the kids. But we got to talk about that as well. Let me welcome in my uh, good partner, 
He's not good. He's excellent. He's outstanding. Best day of my life. That's my guy, Joel Radwanski, better known as the Big Dog. Dog, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, Coach. You know, I'm not big on the, the SI swimsuit issue. Not because, I, I, you know, I play for the other team. You know, I, I play for the right team. But uh, to be quite honest with you, I'm not big on real skinny girls with fake boobies. Yeah, I'm not. I would much rather just have a good old-fashioned girl with, uh, you know, a little curve in her, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying, Coach. All right. I can understand that. I got taken back a little bit, and you probably would want to take back the statement where you said you play for the right team. That's that's the incorrect statement, and I know you would admit to that. You play for your team, but there's there's not a matter of right and wrong, right? No, you're, you're 100% yeah. right. That's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the way I brought up the story, and uh, uh, welcome everybody, Thursday edition, I almost said Friday, because is it just me, dog? The weather, maybe summer approach, does it feel like a Friday to you? Or, I know it's Thursday, it, but it, I'm no, ready for the weekend. Absolutely, It absolutely feels like a okay. Friday, especially considering how much I've accomplished this week. Yep. Seriously, that might sound crazy, but yeah, I was like, wow, it's only, I have a, two more days to get stuff done? Yeah. I have a lot to get done, so I can't even explain how busy I'm going to yeah, be. But, uh, I'm driving in today, and I'm yeah. in the total weekend mode, thinking about the weekend activities. Got to do this, got to do that. It's like, and that's Thursday. Day ahead of schedule. Okay, so it's not just me, but uh, what the hell? We'll celebrate a three-day weekend. But we were talking about the fact that Chicago high school basketball star Jabari Parker is going to be on the cover of today's Sports Illustrated. Big, uh, big dog. Not the SI for kids, but the big one. Uh-huh. And... Um, you know, I think one of the statements on there is best high school player since LeBron James. Talk about putting pressure on the kid. And as David Olson, our producer, mentioned, uh, the uniqueness of his story, which includes his desire to do a two-year Mormon mission. Wow. I mean, I, it's his life, and he can choose to do whatever he wants to. Okay. But the, I don't know what type of person has gotten his tentacles into him to make him believe in that religion. Now, if anybody's out there is offended by what I say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if that offended you, but you know, I just want you to consider this. This religion, maybe they're right, I don't know, maybe they're right, but this religion is all based upon uh, the fact that a guy by the name of John Smith had an alien from a different galaxy come down and explain to him that Jesus Christ is an alien. Okay, and is also from the same galaxy that you can see up in the stars. It's uh, it's in the Pleiades. Okay, and that you are supposed to live by these particular words. Okay, so this isn't that you believe in Jesus Christ. It believes that there's an an alien race. Maybe they're right. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, uh, but there's an alien race, and that's what Jesus is from. And that all the human race is from another part of the galaxy. And you're on this earth, and you're being judged on whether or not you get to go back to that galaxy. Wow. Okay, so just when everyone's all Mormons about just they're real devout Jesus people. No, yeah, they are. They're also about just so remember that. That's why I just find it like unbelievable that Mitt Romney was is the uh, is the guy the Republicans decided to run up against Barack Obama. Yeah, this is all going to be exposed. Trust me. Everything about the Mormon religion is about to get. If you're a Mormon and everything that's bad about the Mormon religion is about to get exposed over the next three months, every if you just watch how many different uh, things that CNN and MSNBC has about how bad the Mormon religion is, whether it's good or bad. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Just watch how many of those 
of the left-wing television programs indirectly attack Mitt Romney. And and I'm going to, I mean, I, I agree, kind of, I can't understand how, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe we are from another part of the, of the universe, Coach. I, I'm really not sure. I can't say for certain. Trying to get you in trouble, by the way. I just tweeted out as you were giving a particularly in-depth and philosophical diatribe uh, as I was ready to talk about the Cubs and Sox series. Suddenly it doesn't seem so important. But uh, the tweet goes out, Big Dog talking Mormon religion in sports. Right now call in at 888-463-6748. I'm putting you right on the firing line, Big Dog. David Olson, you uh, seem to be uh, piqued, either negatively or positively, by a comment by the Big Dog. Yeah, it's Joseph Smith is the guy's Joseph name, Smith. not John Smith. Ah, Joseph I said Smith. John Smith. Okay. Interesting. Well, all right. Um, all right. That's the you've given us the historical perspective of the religion, but can there be many Mormons now that are doing great charitable work, believe in wonderful oh, things that don't yeah. necessarily, um, you know, buy into the the very foundation of what it was originally brought about by? Oh, uh, yeah, because, yeah, hey, I'm an American. I really believe in American, but that Bill of Rights, yeah, I'd wipe my butt with that. Well, you know, the actually. Foundation of that, that's the whole point. The foundation of the religion is you're not from this planet, Coach. I don't see how any other way you could look at it, okay? You can say the foundation is you believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, then just be a, a regular Christian then, okay? Mm-hmm. The point is you're on this well, earth. But what about the people that, uh, you know, the Bible is the foundation of their religion, and there's many things in the Bible that they do not believe in or practice in their daily lives. Isn't that the same thing? I, I don't I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how you just pick and choose. Well, I do. I, I, don't, under, I don't understand. Oh, yeah, I believe in this, but I would believe in this part of it. Well, sure. Know, and, and, and I'm, and, but my whole eternal soul is... is People decide how to, how their eternal soul is gonna. Oh, wait a minute, just because I just find it funny, Coach, that people can pick a book and say, yeah, "I'm gonna believe in this, but only part of it," and my whole uh-huh. eternal soul is is involved in it. I they don't... don't get it. They don't understand. You can't just pick up a book and decide, "Oh, this is the part uh, that yes, I believe." Actually, yes, you can. No, you can. I don't you think, can, Coach. You can. But it doesn't involve your eternal soul. Well, no, just because I don't think a religion has to be your internal soul. Well, the, the problem is that's what they get off saying, Coach. That, that's that's what I'm talking about. They a lot of these Bible pushers think that they're better than you because supposedly they believe in Jesus, okay? Mm-hmm. Or and they've been saved, and because of this, they're better than you. And they use the fact that the Bible says this and the Bible says that. So you can't. These people cannot only pick parts of the Bible that they believe in, and not all, okay? Not, that it's as simple as that. We're not talking about you and me. Saying, hey, I, I really love college football, uh, but you know what? There's some stuff I don't have to watch every game. I don't, you know, it's, it's different, okay? And 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 I do understand some people are like, hey, I'm a Christian, and I I, I believe you should treat people the right way, blah blah blah. But they don't go throwing it down other people's throats. I'm I'm specifically, I'm not talking about all people that are religious because I have many family members that I love and respect, and they are awesome, okay? They believe in Jesus Christ and they treat people spectacularly, okay? And they never throw it down anybody's throat. I'm talking about the people that are like, oh, I believe in Jesus, and because of this, I'm going to heaven and you're not. So my opinion is oh, right yeah. and your well, opinion uh, that, is wrong. You know? that, uh, that part I agree with you, but you sounded like you were kind of uh, demonizing, firing on the entire Mormon religion just because. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, well, but not every Mormon is out there to, doing exactly about- what you just described. 
What did, what did I describe? I didn't say they were doing anything bad. I'm t- telling you that the basis of the religion is they're not from this galaxy. I understand that may be the quote-unquote the basis, but what I'm telling you is many modern-day Mormons probably don't take all that to heart, just like many Catholics and Christians don't take everything that the religion was based on, i.e. the Bible, to heart, and still practice many good things from that particular religion. Then, so they're I, not, I, then they're not Mormons. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. No, no, they are not. Well, what about no, Catholics and Christians? Catholics and Christians have a much looser belief system oh, than the Mormons spoken, do. Spoken by a Catholic. It, it, no, no, no. The key is that David is exactly right. How many Mormons have you ever dated, Coach? <laughs> One, but uh, it didn't last long. It was in my experimental phase, and I hope Earl was so, doing well. Well, let's talk real. I, I have. <laughs> I like know the. <laughs> For a long time, okay. Yeah, I know the religion. I know these. I know the people, okay. And David is exactly right, and you're exactly right about. Hey, there's Catholics that I know. My my mother is a devout Catholic, and she believed Jesus Christ died for our sins, okay. And she goes to church, but she also uh, believes that if you're having sex with someone that you're not <laughs> going to marry, you better put a condom on. So, but she's still a Catholic, okay. I'm talk- but if my mom believed that, oh, you know what? Uh, after we you know when you die, you know it, it isn't what the Catholic Church says. Well, then you know what? She wouldn't be a Catholic. She'd be something totally different. If you're a Mormon and you don't believe, hey, you know what? It's not okay to have five wives. It's not okay to have fifty wives. You should only have one wife. You should only have one husband. Well, then you know what? You could still be a Mormon, as far as I'm concerned, and maybe not as stringent. As the other ones, but if you don't believe that you're from this galaxy, you're not a Mormon, coach. That's the basis of the religion. Yeah, well, this argument, I don't understand how you don't get this. All right, it's, so it's, it's, it's uh, uh, fine, I'll go with your point. So, what's so horrible about not believing you're from this galaxy? I don't think there's, like I said, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Okay. So, what's None the point of even? What's the point of even bringing it up then? I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I'm just, you just said that it's, you had that is the basis of the religion and. When you're talking about the foundation, yeah, well, you, if you don't believe in that, then you're not a Mormon. Well, I got news for you. For somebody non-religious like myself, uh, you know, that's believing that we're from a different galaxy is about as bizarre as believing, you know, a, of a person named God who controls everything or Jesus Christ coming back to life. So, I, to I, me, I totally agree with you, Coach. I am not ripping anyone's belief in what happened. Okay, not at all. I'm trying to explain to you that is that makes you a Mormon. Okay, that is what makes you a Mormon. Marrying five wives doesn't make you a Mormon. Uh, wearing a, not wearing a condom doesn't mean you can't be a Catholic. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Catholic, you believe that if you committed sins and you do not get, uh, what do you call it, uh, confession, and you don't confess your sins to God and be uh, basically absolved of your sins, you go to hell. And that is a basis. And if anybody doesn't believe that as a Catholic, then they're not a Catholic. But you can be a Catholic and actually believe that the world is round, okay? All right, but you kind of started out the conversation by, you know, who got in Jabari Parker's head, and well, you kind of, you know, painted a negative portrait of it. Well, you know, the guy's thinking about going on a Mormon mission. Last time I checked, the Mormon mission was a mission of some version of charitable variety. And I'm glad you brought that up, Coach. And my whole disdain and the reason why I said it like that is not because of the ex-girlfriend. It was the parents and her friends, who I will flat out state are not good people, and they were devout Mormons. 
and I knew the parents yeah. extremely well, and those people were as yeah. hypocritical and as bad and as just, racist and as as slimeball as there are on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Just because okay. somebody is extremely religious, it has no effect on the quality of their persona, or, or, in my or particular opinion. Just because they follow a certain code in a certain book does not make them a moral person is the yeah. best way I can oh, say. On that, on that, I completely agree with completely agree with but getting back to the uh, 17 maybe 18 year old jabari parker unbelievable story with the kid who might uh you know take this mission and delay his nba career we've known other stars to do it but how about putting a, a junior in high school big dog not even a senior he's not even he's not getting ready for prom and graduation right now he's only a junior putting him on the cover of sports illustrated and doing a full story kid's a very unique kid but that's 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 a whole lot to put on a 17 year old's plate you know, it, it's it's really crazy that uh, the University of Illinois has now it was you know a secular school. It has now changed its. Uh, they're now a faith based school, and it's now uh, Mormonism. Did you know that, coach? <laughs> well, you kid about that. What extremes colleges will go to get Jabari Parker for one year? I'm not going to mention the kid's name, but it's a kid I coach, big dog, and he is a uh, solid, typical five foot eleven inch average white guard that played in the uh, suburban league okay nice kid uh you know he was good enough to be a starter at this particular school probably scored five six points a game handled about you know a decent high school player uh-huh. okay he because of his uh, family connections who were very into basketball they are best friends with jabari parker and his family they played aau ball together since fifth and sixth grade I mean, they would have this Illinois, you know, Warriors AAU team, which would be, you know, 11 of the best African-American players in the city, and somehow this kid would find his way on the team. But that's a whole other story. But from what I hear, Michigan State, DePaul University in Chicago, and a couple other schools have offered this kid to, to be a walk-on on their team. Uh-huh. For the obvious reasons thereof. Yeah. Just goes to the length. Some of these teams, you know, will bring this kid in and, you know, maybe a 10% chance. Hey, best friend with Jabari. They hang around with Jabari. We'll let him on the team with yeah, the 10% exactly. chance we get Jabari Parker. So, uh, the university, there's a bunch of stories like that. I just love the names. The Ephraim Winters was the number one recruit in Illinois in the early 80s, 81, 82, uh, yep. senior year in high school. Out of and King High School playing under, uh, the always pristine Sonny Landon Cox. And uh, do you remember his sidekick, Reggie Woodward? Yep. Yes, Reggie Woodward uh, was, uh, he basically had a walk-on scholarship at the University of Illinois. And uh, it, it was hilarious. Whenever Illinois was beating somebody by about 25 points, <laughs> the whole crowd would start yelling, Reggie, Reggie, he'd come in and hit a three-pointer. <laughs> and uh, him and Ephraim would go smoke a blunt after the game. Him and Bruce Douglas, <laughs> all three of them get high attacks. <laughs> then that's confirmed. And then I'm not, I'm not, this is confirmed by the AD and the AD's son of the University of Illinois at the yeah. time. That those guys were, sometimes would smoke at halftime. It's the most disgusting. That they were a team that went to the the Elite Eight in 1984 against Kentucky and yep. lost on their home court by three points. That got totally jellied by the officials. Well, the the team was basically stoned the whole entire year. So they got they got jellied before the game, and then they got jellied by the officials, huh? 
Yeah, I remember when I was in school there. I don't know if you remember guys named Mark Smith and Eddie Johnson. Might have been before your time, Big Dog. No, well, I, I definitely know the names, and yep. obviously I know Eddie Johnson really, really well, Coach. Really yeah, well. and there was uh, there were stories in their collegiate days while I was uh, going to Assembly Hall and cheering on my Fighting Illini in orange and blue that uh, their pregame meetings were not exactly all centered on the scouting reports of the other team. Yeah, and, and from what I know, well, those were, they did other substances. Yeah. So yeah. that was Reputation, a I don't, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Those are alleged. I don't know about that, but I know from Ephraim Winners. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah, it is too bad. At any rate, uh, it's, it'll be interesting. The story comes out today. The, the kid is a great kid. Let's hope he can keep solid head on shoulders, feet on floor. I know he's got a great support group, very similar to Derrick Rose. But Jabari Parker, a cover of Sports Illustrated, Chicago's new poster boy, 17-year-old kid, still has one more year of high school, which is pretty much a wasted year uh, athletically, but um, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. A lot for him to come. He's going to become a big name now, and again, a great kid. Uh, and you watch him play, Big Dog, he's not 40 points a game. He scores about 15 a game. He passes. He rebounds. Yeah. He defends. He's a very cerebral player. He'll score if he needs to, but he does not dominate the ball. Okay. You see, here's what's happened, though. And I, I've actually heard this. He's been compared to LeBron James. Yep. And because LeBron James defers so much to teammates, people now are worried that Jabari Parker might not, Jabari Parker might not have the killer instinct because he's such a nice kid. Yep. There's no stories of him doing anything like bullying or, or being a tough guy, and he passes so often. Now they're like, is a question, isn't that unbelievable how people can, they just find weaknesses in a player. Now the question mark on Jabari Parker is, you know, he, he might not be mean enough. That's the only thing they can come up with about him is that's, that's the only question mark on mm-hmm. the kid is, will he put the foot on the throat and, and finish people off? Yeah, it's probably actually from a strictly objective standpoint, a legitimate concern if you even want to use that word concern because um all right so he doesn't have the killer's instinct to go score 40 points again but he's got the killer's instinct to win nobody's doubt of that you watch his teams play and state champion state champion state champion back to back to back so i would argue that there's a difference between the killer's instinct to take the ball six possessions in a row a la kobe bryant Derek rose maybe uh michael jordan yeah, Dwayne Wade, players like that. Uh, Jabari Parker's got the killer's instinct to win. I don't think he has the killer's instinct to score 40 points a game. So, I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, well, it all depends because, like, LeBron James won high school championships every year. He was at uh, St. Joseph, St. Mary's, whatever the heck the name of his school was in uh, in Ohio. So, let's not compare, like, LeBron to a junior in high school. Yes. But the, the the one game I saw the kid play the whole entire game, I was like, oh, I finally realized why everybody is talking about this kid. It, it, he is clearly ridiculously skilled, which is the best thing about his game. Yep. Way too many times. Oh, did you see Ronnie Fields? I, I, I didn't see Ronnie Fields dribble or bounce pass or cut off a screen once in a whole entire game. I did see him jump out of the gym about 30 times. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Jabari, Jabari Parker, he wows you with skills, and the next thing you know, he breaks through the court and he throws a one-handed jam on a fast break, and you're like, wow. No question so, about it. More importantly, Chicago's very own, folks. We can be proud of this young man. 888-463-6748, our phone number, dog and the coach here in a 
Thursday. I keep wanting to spit out Friday, but it's a Thursday. Day ahead of schedule. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. Real quick, dog. As long as we're off the sports page, at least a bit scintillating. By the way, scintillating rendition of the Mormon religion. We're getting all kinds of emails in. A few people mad with you. A few people uh, very happy with you. And one, I'm assuming she's a girl that might want to meet you after the show. Uh, the name is Jamie, so I'm assuming that's a female, but you never know. I uh, oh, if it's hopefully if it's Jamie's son, who is uh, I found somebody's Kindle coach <laughs> and went through. I went through the whole Uh-oh. ordeal of getting it charged, finding out her name, and emailing her that I have her Kindle. Very so, nice. That's the good Samaritan thing to do. I don't think this Jamie is that Jamie, but I'm proud of you as a. Fellow co-partner on the talk show Sporting World, Big Dog, you have proven to be uh, a good citizen. You, you did your, you did your good, uh, good deed. Well, it was worth it because all I got to tell you is this: if she doesn't tip me for getting her Kindle back, yep, I'm going to tell you what was on the personal uh, parts of the, <laughs> of the Kindle. Well, the fact that you checked the personal part probably you just lost your tip. No, no, no. It's not what she wrote. I have never. I did not look ah, at any of those. Okay. Zero, none of those. I meant like her downloaded stuff that she read is what I meant. Everyone. Ah. So, uh, and I will. I'll blurt, blurt it out. And trust me. Uh, let's just say Fabio is on the cover of at least one of them. All right, that's all I got to say. <laughs> all right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Jamie, if you lost your Kindle and you want to talk to the big dog directly, he's right here for you. Here on the phone lines of the two guys at a mic show, TalkZone.com. Big Dog, you uh, had brought up uh, bullying and uh, violence. Real quick, before we get to a little baseball report, Cubs uh, Cubs lose, Sox lose. Thank you very much. New developments coming out of the Travion Martin case and George Zimmerman case, and that is uh, finally the medical rule. Why it took so long for a very simple medical document to come out, I can't figure out. What are we, two months later? But apparently George Zimmerman did have somewhat of a broken nose, uh, lacerations on the back. He was bruised up a little bit. And Travion Mitchell's, Travion Martin's, uh, did have bruised knuckles. So I don't know how that changes the case, but a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, well, if he was getting beat up. But here's the problem, though. I mean, I, if he was getting beat up, you should, why didn't he just draw the gun? If he just got his butt kicked by a 17-year-old, I know the kid's twice the size of him, but if he just got beat up by a 17-year-old, you don't go and get a gun and run and shoot the kid, okay? Well, what if he that's got... What, my, what? That's what happened. It wasn't the fact that he, like, was like, stop or I'll shoot, and he got beat up. It was he got beat up, he went and got a gun, and then shot the kid. Well, no, what, what, what if his story is correct, and he was following him, and that was dumb to do. Everybody agrees with that George Zimmerman property right now would say that's the most regretful thing he's ever done in his life. So he was wrong there, but what if Travion Marshall then, you know, hid and jumped Zimmerman from behind and started pounding him and pounding him, and then he brings out the gun to prevent getting killed? Okay, well, if that happened, I would have shot too. Yeah. Problem is, problem is, David Olson, uh, we can talk about it and argue about it back and forth. We will never know. Unfortunately, we'll never know how that well, confrontation well, the oh, yeah, exactly. The, the only thing we do have. know now is that there actually was a physical confrontation. Right, and, right. Well, and the one thing they do have is someone on the phone with 911. And with the, the new type of sound equipment we have, uh, Zimmerman has told his story. So if the whole timeline doesn't add up with what you hear in the background, if it, 
if everything he says and what you hear in the background goes, then he might be telling the truth. But if, like, he says, well, I, I did this and then this and then I shot, you hear, you hear a commotion going on in the background. You know, you know the 911 tape I'm talking about? Yep. Well, mm-hmm. so Zimmerman has told his whole story. You know, with the, it's unbelievable. They've been, they've gone back. There's a recording of a, a, of a, a police officer on November 22nd, 1963, driving through Dealey Plaza. Anybody who's a historian in America knows that was the day and the place where John F. Kennedy was killed. Well, one of the police officers had his, his uh, mic open, and every time the mic is open, it automatically taped at the police station. Well, trust me, the tapes are a lot better 49 years later, how they tape. Trust me, especially on 911 stuff. They were able to break down the whole thing, and it was basically stated there was five bullets shot that day. There's no question about it. Yet, for some reason, the rest of America doesn't hear about it. But the point is, they'll be able to decipher everything in the background. It's truly amazing, mm-hmm. Coach. So, and, and they will spare no expense. They'll spend a million bucks if it takes them to break I, down the whole tape in the background. I was surprised, uh, David Olson. I heard that they were having trouble deciphering whose voice that was. And like Joe, I thought, with the technology now, how could they have trouble deciphering the voice because somebody was shouting and that changes the tone of their voice so that you you can't tell for certain who it is huh. it's not like we were talking normally you know if you raise your voice or you scream or something like that your voice is going to sound different than it does normally couldn't they force george zimmerman to try to talk like that and see if it matches maybe not i suppose maybe not all right bottom line is though we will uh, unfortunately Never really know how the confrontation started. But, again, yeah. the one thing we do know now, Dave, is that there was some form of a physical confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are two people that know the story of what really happened that night, yep. and one of them's dead. Yep. So. Yep. All right. 888-463-6748. Big Dog, it's a quantum leap from Mormonism, from the uh, George Zimmerman, Travion Martin tragic situation, tragic case, and the Jabari Parker Sports Illustrated cover. But we got to go to baseball here. Your beloved Cubs. Uh, well, Cubs lose, Sox lose. The Cubs were what? Two to two game. Heading into the seventh inning and the bullpen continues to be a problem for our Chicago Cup. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was working last night and I, re- I wasn't able to watch any of the game. I was basically following it just on Twitter with, uh, the bitter Cubs, Twitter critters, that hashtag. And they basically, they, they comment and it cracks me up, coach. It's better than watching it on Gamecast and I'm not kidding. So I just open up my phone. I'm like, oh no! And then the comments is so much better than being like, oh, right now there's it's uh, you know first and second, nobody out, and and uh, who was pitching? Because last night when the when the with the bad part of the game, who gave it the grand slam? It was uh, Scott Main, recently recalled from AAA, and then the grand slam was given up by Michael Bowden. Oh, so two guys, one of them acquired by uh, Theo Epstein. Not good. Not good. But Michael Bowden's a local guy, so if we're going to yep. lose, might as well lose with a local guy, huh? Yep. Grew up rooting for the Cubs. It was his dream all along to play for the Chicago Cubs. He got called up, what, a couple of weeks ago. Great story. Had a couple of decent outings last night. He was a lonely man on the mound there in the last inning. Is Hector, what the heck's the guy's name? Not Hector Cruz, but um, Hector Luna. Hit a grand slam off and the game fell apart with a six-run eighth inning. Not good, Coach. Not good at all. Ugly day for Chicago, okay? Yep. Actually, Scott Main had been pitching pretty well. They had to send him down because of, you know, I don't understand all the details behind it, but some guys had 
uh, you know, if you say... If option. You, then yeah. what happens is you can send the guy back and forth during the first six years that he's in the minor le- leagues in your organization. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what happens. As soon as you sign a guy to a contract or you draft him, the Cubs own the guy for six years, okay? And whether they... If you, you can send the guy up or down three times into the minor leagues. And on the fourth time, if you send him down... Any other club can claim him, and then they have to put him on the major league roster. And trust me, there's probably a couple teams that could use a reliever, and they would lose possession of this guy. That's why Chris Volstead has not been dropped to the minors, because he's been brought up and down three times by the Miami Marlins, or the Florida Marlins then. So everyone's wondering why the Cubs keep out this guy in the rotation. Well, the Cubs are afraid they'll put him into the minor leagues, and somebody else will claim him, and they'll get nothing for him. And I, I don't know if the Cubs really should have that fear right now. I think they should probably try it because uh, why wait? Uh, we're wasting options on the the mains, and I, I doubt Russell's going to go up or down anymore. But there, there's a couple guys that are wasting options on like Travis Wood. Don't waste an option on Travis Wood. Send Bolstead down. If somebody takes him, you just got well. He's only making like a million a year, so they don't really want to do that. Someone will claim him. That, that's the issue the Cubs are in right now, coaches. They, right. They've got players that have no options that need to be in the minor leagues, but they have potential, and they, they're not getting paid anything, so they don't want to just give them away. Mm-hmm. So right now the Cubs are basically going to be 0-32 for the 32 starts that Volstead starts this year. So they have to, they're already 32 <laughs> games below 500. The other four pitchers have to figure out a way to make it up. Uh, the voice of optimism, Joe Radwanski. Chris Volstead, 0-32, huh? Let's welcome in our next caller to the program. It's Chris Volstead joining in. Chris, say hello to Joe Redwanski. How are you, buddy? Oh, my goodness. Hey, Chris Volstead, uh, you know, how about this, Coach? Every game, Chris Volstead is awesome for the first two innings, and then the, the third inning comes around, and when the batters have seen him for a second time, they start shelling him, and he has to give up a big inning. And then he settles down, and you're like, wow, he, he just pitched five innings. He gave up five runs. For the innings he dominated, and one inning he gave up five runs. And you, sh- you shake your head. The Cubs have such a problem in their bullpen. they got to get Volstead out of the rotation, Coach, because you're basically saying we don't care this season is over with. And every day the players go down with their heads slumped. They're like, we're going to get freaking hammered today, Volstead's pitching. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> I played baseball before, and when Doug Robb and Gino Murtaugh was pitching, I was like, I was skipping as I went to the mound, Okay. When Dan Marino pitched, I was like, son of a bitch. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like i got to wear catcher's equipment when I'm playing third base. I'm going to get killed down there. So uh, the, the maybe Volstead should be put to the bullpen because he seems to come out really good for an inning. That might sound crazy because you're like, well, the game's on the line. Well, the game is on the line in the first inning, too, and if you're down 5 nothing in the third, mm-hmm. at this point the game is over. They need to try Volstead as a as a relief pitcher. It's it, just to see if something happens, Coach. Right. That's the it's, only it's, option they have, and if they don't do it now, they're dumb. It's not a bad theory, not a bad theory at all. A little Cub talk here. Any Cub fans you want to check in after a uh, tough loss to the Phillies yesterday, 9-2. to two. They're back at it today at 7 o'clock. little mini two-game series. Don't forget White Sox-Cubs starting tomorrow. Three-game series. Phone lines are uh, opener. You want to talk a little baseball, Cubs baseball, 888-463-6748. It's a good theory, big dog. Uh, moving Chris Volstead to the bullpen, the only problem with that theory is we don't have another starter to fill in. Well, no, no, you bring Travis Wood up. You do. Okay. 
bring uh, Travis, let Travis Wood pitch, let Randy Wells pitch, let somebody in the organization that is a starter pitch other than Chris Bolstead. I mean, I, hopefully that there's there that's under that's underway. It's going to happen, but if they don't do it soon, they're basically just uh, that's going to affect everybody else on the other four days that they're playing. Mm-hmm. When you just basically know you're going to lose every fifth day, that's not good. Coach, with an ERA around eight, you know, in the middle of May, no longer is an experiment or something that goes just having a hard time. Maybe he sucks. Not that I've seen a lot of the Chris Volstead starts, so I'm speaking somewhat out of intuition and not actual knowledge. So why should today be different than any other day? But if he's pitching, you know, three or four really good innings and having just the one bad inning, the temptation for the glass half full people like myself is to think, hey, this guy's got it. If he can just avoid the big inning, we may have ourselves a starter. We got to stick with him a little bit longer. Okay, I, I, I understand that. But that was James Baldwin's problem for James what about five Baldwin. years with the White Sox? Remember? Yeah. Thank you for the James Baldwin reference. I forgot about him. That was his problem for ask any White Sox fan. He'd have no hitters going into the fifth inning, and then you're like, "Why did he get a no hitter in the fifth?" And he ended up with four and a third and yeah. seven allowed. How did that happen? There was another White Sox pitcher more recently. I want to say two years ago, who could not get through the sixth inning. Remember? Very recent, not last year, maybe last year, but it was in the last couple of years, and he literally got stuck on the sixth inning. Oh, well, Gavin Floyd went through a, uh, a period of that. Yeah, he, I don't, I don't. I, it wasn't very long, but he had a season where at the beginning of the year he, and then he turned around, and in the second half was phenomenal. In 2010, mm-hmm. uh, Gavin Floyd was like that. Yeah, I don't Gavin, know if that's thick enough. Gavin Floyd was not phenomenal yesterday. The Anaheim Angels knock off the White Sox seven to two. They needed him to be good. He was not. He got shelled early and often. Albert Pujols, by the way, he's back, big dog. Home run yesterday, the day before he had a couple of hits. He has finally broken out of his uh, fairly extended slump, but he's starting to hit the ball and watch out for the Anaheim Angels. Now, they may go on a roll. Uh, they're going to need to because uh, the Mariners and A's are a lot better than I thought they were going to be, Coach. And they're not catching the Texas Rangers. Okay, so the Angels still have a chance to get into one of those one-game playoffs in the wild card, and if that happens and they can actually match Jared Weaver up against uh, whoever the Tampa Bay Rays or whoever the, the Yankees put out there, you know, that could end up being – the Angels are still in real good shape. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think Oakland and the Seattle Mariners come back to earth a little bit because they're playing like right at 500. Both of those teams, I'm shocked, Coach. I – I had no idea Bartolo Colon was going to be Greg Maddox this season. And uh, and I, Josh Ruddick, this kid from Oakland, mm-hmm. has already got 10 bombs already this season. Whoever would have thought that happened. But the, the Anaheim Angels, they really do need to get hot because they're like eight games behind the Rangers right now. Yep. It will bear watching, certainly, the uh, American League Western Division. Very interesting. There's a lot of potentially very curious baseball races as we start to, you know, we're not quite there yet. We're still in the beginning of the season. We dig into those middle months before we start the stretch run, Big Doug. There's a lot of uh, scenarios playing out. We talked yesterday about the American League East with the Baltimore Orioles in first place, the Red Sox in last point. That's going to be a fun division to watch unfold also. Uh, yeah, it will. It will because, honestly, I, I said it yesterday, and I do believe, that hopefully the Blue Jays and Orioles 
stay competitive into early July because, you know, the the Rays and the Yankees aren't going anywhere, and by then the Red Sox will be good. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, the, I want all five of those teams to be within five games of each other in the middle of August. That, cool. that would be ideal. I'm really keeping my fingers crossed for that, for the American League East. Mm-hmm. So they just beat the crap out of each other all during August and September. <laughs> I'd like to see the Baltimore Orioles back in the race. It's been so long, and we talked about this before. I'm an old-school guy. I still remember you know, when the Baltimore Orioles were a consistent powerhouse. I mean, year after year after year, great tradition, and now of course, for an extended period of time for the youngsters out there, the, mm-hmm. the you know, if you're a baseball fan from age 12 to 25, the Baltimore Orioles have been irrelevant. But uh, I still think baseball's a better place when the Orioles are a good ball club. You, you know, it's funny is during that whole, all that whole time, the Orioles have had actually some really good offensive lineups. But unlike the Orioles, they were a horrible defensive team and had no pitching. And that was like the exact opposite of what the Orioles were for so long. Mm-hmm. So they're back. So the best defensive center fielder in the game right now is uh, is Adam Jones of the Baltimore Orioles. It's either him or Franklin Gutierrez, but uh, he can't hit, so he doesn't play for the Seattle Mariners. He doesn't play every day. So Adam Jones, the best defensive center fielder, definitely in the American League. It's either him or Andrew McCutcheon. Better than Chicago Cubs center fielder Tony Campana. I'll now sit down and listen for my answer. Uh Tony Campana, better learn how to take better angles. What is Jimmy Pearsall still alive? Because Campana will listen to everything Pearsall tells him. Cam- seriously, and he'll work on it. Get Pearsall out. Get Pearsall out with Tony Campana for yep. a weekend, and a, the kid will be significantly improved, and he can finally take advantage of his lightning speed. He's mm-hmm. the fastest guy in Major League Baseball. And he's Joey he's Gaffer. one of the few guys you're exactly right that would actually listen to Jimmy Pearsall for those. Uh, Fans listening to the show, and again, Big Dog, I remind you via the Internet here, we are emanating not just to the 49 other continental uh, states here in the beautiful United States, but seven other continents. There may be people, possibly in the Mideast, possibly in South America, in war-torn Africa and Sudan, not familiar with Jimmy Pearsall, so I feel it's my place to let them know. I'm sure they all know who Tony Campan is, but Pearsall, long-time announcer and player, but he was coaching. For an extended period of time for the Chicago Cubs, right? He was their outfield yeah. coach? Yes. And, and he would complain fact, because at the same time he was a media personality. And he would yeah. tell, and he was very good on the radio, not necessarily uh, inside the box. He was in a non-normal announcing way. But he was still very candid, very good when he'd make his media appearance. But his basic thing was that the modern-day outfielders, they don't listen. He's trying to teach trying to do drills with them. Teach him some of the fine points, off the wall play, angles like you mentioned, all that. And his basic thesis, and maybe he's a little old school, maybe, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but he would say the young players today had no interest in doing the drills and learning the finer points of outfielding. That, that's really too bad. You know, what's it, funny is Ichiro Suzuki, who was the finest right fielder in the game of baseball for, you know, like, 50, like 10 years, he would have listened to every single thing Jerry Personal told him. Even though he, you know, he would have already known all this, he would have listened and 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 tried to absorb something from Jimmy Pearsall. And that's the difference of somebody being great Oof. and somebody being Alfonso Soriano. Jimmy Pearsall's use of the English language and Ichiro with English as a second language, I'm not sure that'd be a good communication situation. Yeah, they do have translations even for swear words in uh, in. in... <laughs> Yeah, you're right. On the bright side, Ichiro wouldn't have to learn that many new words, would he? No, he wouldn't. (laughs) 
All right, 888-463-6748. One note on the White Sox as they get ready to take on the Cubs. They got one more game against the Angels, but uh, suddenly, suddenly discovering the bat we all thought he would have is Damian Visayedo, big dog. He's getting hot for the White Sox. Home run, couple of base hits, and remember, they're, we're talking about replacing him so they could put Adam Dunn in left field. Now you got Visayedo red hot. What do you do if you're the White Sox? Uh, well, I... I... Definitely against any left-handed starter. When Paul Mahalan is pitching for the Cubs, Diane Visaida will be out in left field for him. And uh, uh, but I think you just put Dunn. You don't want Dunn out of the lineup for six days, just being a pinch hitter. So I, I think it's a good idea that against the righties, Dunn is out there. Against the lefties, Visaida is out there. Good idea. By the way, Walt Adam Dunn is uh, you know certainly hitting better this year, and he's got more homers. David, I don't know if you want to. Check yesterday's game, but I think a couple of days ago, three strikeouts. He was one for four, but the three outs were all strikeouts. Uh, the game before that was two strikeouts. So he's still striking out, big dog, at a near record pace. Well, Which, as long as he's driving and runs, well, it'll be okay. Yes and no. Yes and no. You're right to some extent, but the strikeouts hurt. Don't kid yourself. And Adam Dunn, I saw him quoted to. He's a pretty cool guy. He handled last year's absolute disaster, I thought, about as well as anybody could. I showed some frustration, but that was a tough year to go through. So he's a pretty classy guy, and he even said, hey, just so the fans know, I read this quote and I was happy to read it. You know, I don't I don't take those strikeouts lightly. Okay? I hate striking out, he said. When I go back to the dugout, I'm completely disgusted. He understands the value of not striking out. So you can't just write it off totally. And say, oh, he's hitting homers and RBIs. The strikeouts don't hurt. They do hurt. A lot of oh, situations do. where those oh, strikeouts oh, hurt. They do hurt. I'm not saying they don't. But when you signed him and gave him $56 million guaranteed and didn't realize he was going to strike out 180 times a year if he got 600 at bat, then you were, you totally fooled yourself and you did no homework and know nothing about baseball. So my, my point, don't, we shouldn't get upset that Adam Dunn is striking out a lot, we should only get upset if he doesn't end up with 110 RBIs when the season's done. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm not trying to poo-poo your point, Coach, but yep. I don't know, like getting upset at that's like that would be like getting upset if Allen Iverson didn't practice hard if somebody signs him next year <laughs> to the NBA. Wow, could you imagine he didn't practice? Oh, what a surprise! He wasn't a changed man. You didn't... You, you got exactly like what he was his whole career, and you're shocked, you know, so that I'm not... A, I can't be upset that Adam Dunn uh, <laughs> strikes out too much. I hear you. Yes, David. Uh, he did strike out twice in both games. So yesterday, two more strikeouts. Yes. So that's seven strikeouts in the last three games. A and two and or three the, the key is he didn't have any RBIs, though, right? No RBIs. Don't think so. Yeah. I think the only that's RBIs they got were from Visayeda. Not good, Coach. Hopefully I'll stop calling him Damian. He keeps hitting like that. I'll, just I'll say start Diane. Call- just, Diane. I know it's, it's, it's I know it's a, pronounced a little bit Diane, but just say Diane, coach. Okay. Just close it. All right, Diane Visited. I'll see how many more times I mess it up. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number, big dog. As we peek ahead to the weekend coming, we do have the uh, Sox Cubs series, and I understand neither team's going to win the World Series this year, and I understand both teams are you know under five hundred, but still, I think it'll be you know it's a great rivalry, good baseball. Uh, it'll, I still think it's going to be fun to watch. I can't say I'm overly excited, but I have a level of excitement about Sox, Cubs, and Wrigley. Now, 
I heard that Occupy has been saving up their their urine and feces for this weekend. Is it for NATO or is it for this baseball series? Depends. We, oh, it, it depends. Too? Well, it depends on two things, and I won't put them in order of importance. A, how the meetings are going Saturday night in the first when they sit down with the 36 heads of states, and B, the middle relief in the Cubs bullpen. And I don't know that it's necessarily in that order. Yeah, uh, I would be extremely careful if I was uh, in the Cubs bullpen now. Yep. Yep. They are having, I think, is it the uh, Secretary of NATO? Throw out the first ball. So there is going to be a little bit of a connection. Hopefully we won't have anybody like singing the seventh inning stretch, take me out to the ball game. Hope that wouldn't happen. No, that's not going to happen, Coach. By the way, do you hear Robbie? You apparently didn't because you didn't watch the game. Robbie Gold, the Bears field goal kicker, singing yesterday. Well, uh. Woo! Yikes! He he said he was. I actually did hear it because I was listening to that part on the radio. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> when uh, when he got the Pat Ron, he says, "I mean, no Pat Ron." When he got the Pat Keith, excuse me, sorry, sorry, Santo family, but hey, he's going to Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, Robbie Gold before he was, you know, he does the the top of the seven, so it's before he said, and he was really building up. He's like, "Guys, wait until you hear my unbelievable voice." It was pretty funny. It was he was really playing it up. I yeah. thought it was he was hysterical with Pat and Keith. I personally don't mind the singing, even somebody as bad as Robbie Gold, Big Dog, but the interviews, that to me is what they need to cut out, especially, you know, when it's a decently close game. You know, I I don't want, you know, all right, hey, if it's 12 to 3, I can handle the interview, but if it's a close game, no. I don't want to hear an entire half an inning spent with some inane questions, and you can tell for the most part, Lennon Casper and Bob Brunley are very aggravated by it, too. Okay, so if I ever are up there, if I'm, up, if I'm ever up there doing my Harry Carey imitation, yep. I'm just mean singing it. I won't do that. I don't do that. That's stupid. Everybody, basically, everybody's Harry Carey imitation is their imitation of Will Ferrell's imitation of Harry Carey, which is absolutely <laughs> horrible. It's not even yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that's a terrible impression. <laughs> terrible. I, yeah, I crack up. I was like, oh, you're doing the Will Ferrell. Oh, no, that's Harry. No, because Harry carried it. When I hear, like, people 25 that uh, Harry Carey is a character to himself, he was always drunk. No, you're an idiot. He was uh, he was on air for 11 years after a stroke. And I like to see you 85 years old after a stroke uh, doing a ball game and see if you sound as, as sharp. He's one of the sharpest announcers ever. When you, I, I listened to the 1968 game, uh, the Tigers versus the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. Harry Carey is so good. Crisp. Before his stroke, it was amazing, yep. Coach. Yep, crisp. Mm-hmm. That's the best word, sharp and crisp. You're right, but in his later years, he was definitely losing. Now, when, when I when I get up there, I, I know better. I'm going to get in there, and they're going to try to shove me off. Instead of that, I'm just going to talk right. At, just start talking about the game immediately. I won't even mess around, coach. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just start talking. And then that way, Len and Bob will actually keep me in the booth because they try to get that person out of there as quickly as possible. Have you noticed? Yes. Oh, there's going to be a pitch and change. Time for you to get the hell out of the booth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you'll, you'll be the guest, but your uh, your ultimate goal is to be invited in permanently and make it a three-man booth. So, well, at least make it out of the half inning. That's yeah. all I care is to make it out of the half inning through a pitching change. Because yeah. uh, if you make it, the only people that have ever made it out of, like, the pitching change, I mean, legitimately, it's like former Cub players 
<laughs> or like uh, Joe Montana, Robert De Niro did it, and they were like, "Oh, it's time for you to go, Bobby." You know, so it's uh, it's you got to be big. Time. What's what is more prestigious uh, as a young comedian getting invited to sit down at the chair by Johnny Carson, or getting invited back after the pitching change with Lennon Bob? Oh, that's it's definitely the latter. Really? Because they say back in the day, you know, that was the that was the big thing for comedians. Oh, no, obviously, the real answer, of course, is uh, is. Uh, Johnny Carson. Yeah. That they, was, that was, yeah, everybody, talk, and they made you come up with new material. You could not have used mm-hmm. any joke you've ever used before on the show. Yeah. That was the, that was the rule. TTW, guess, uh, Channel 11, WTTW just did a two hour documentary, one of the few ever on uh, Johnny Carson because he was such a private guy away from the, uh, television stage, but apparently, and it was on Monday, big guy. I wanted to watch it. I missed it, but apparently pretty well done. I, I've got to see it. Johnny Carson is, uh, that's, he's intriguing to me because you, you don't know anything about him. He isn't mm-hmm. one of those guys that were like, hey, I'm Twittering that I, uh, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm walking to uh, Costco. I'm making a tuna sandwich. No, we don't care. Okay. We don't care about every detail of your life. Johnny Carson, you know, he, he played it away from everybody. Uh, there is, there's something that you've got to see, Coach, and I got to find the name of it. There was, it's, it's a, it's a name of like a punchline. But it's basically a documentary of stand-up comedians. It is so funny. It is so good. It's like two hours. And everybody talked about the thing that they always liked most was whenever Rodney Dangerfield went on Johnny Carson. Uh-huh. And they talked about it's like the funniest moments. And all these guys agreed. And it was at different times. They're like, we just couldn't wait to hear uh, Rodney come up with new material yep. on Johnny. And they just show like five minutes of him being on Johnny Carson, yeah. it will bring you to tears when Rodney Dangerfield was on Johnny Carson. I've always said there, there's two comedians in my life that have actually made me double over the side star hurting and close to tears, and one is Rodney Dangerfield and the other was Don Rickles. And it wasn't, I think when they were best big dog, it wasn't when they were up in front of the crowd doing their routine. It was when they were sitting in the chair. Yes, yeah. Being interviewed, and basically they had their whole routine set, and, and Johnny Carson would try to ask him questions, but they just kept on going. They had kind of the shtick, and, and the uh, the host was just there to add a few little uh, uh-huhs uh-huh. and, and try to get a question in. But, oh, Dangerfield, he was unbelievable. Yeah, that was their, uh, without, without a question, without question, one of the best comics of all time. I watched Easy Money the other day. I haven't seen that movie since I was, like, 11. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I have a totally different view of what was going on in Easy Money than I did when I was 11-year-old. My goodness, that movie was hysterical. Ah, uh, yes. A few other little levels that it got to that you were not aware of as an 11-year-old boy. No, I, I, I noticed stuff and realized stuff that I had no idea what was going on. And, I, and then I also realized I knew who Joe Pesci was a lot younger in my life than, than like, by the time Goodfellas happened. I tell you, I tell you, I get, I get no respect. Absolutely no respect. I mean, this hotel was so cheap, big dog, they stole my towels. <laughs> no respect at all. My sister had a bad reputation in high school. Very, very bad. I mean, it was so bad, her, her yearbook picture was horizontal. Very bad. No respect. No respect at all. And still, to me, the, the best one of all time was um, my mother never loved me. Mom never loved me. I mean, she breastfed my brother and said she liked me as a friend. <laughs> again, again with the breastfeeding. <laughs> always. It always gets back to breastfeeding with you. It's yeah, a little what uncomfortable. I, what can I tell you? All right, dog. Uh, and again, I keep wanting to look ahead to the weekend. We got to come back tomorrow. We got an hour to talk about, but we do got Sox Cubs coming up. Don't forget the Preakness. I know you are eminently unexcited, but 
me and my uh, three other horse racing brethren out there very excited about the second leg of the Triple Crown. I'll have another be running out of the nine post, in case you were wondering. Oh, no, no, that is pretty cool. I'm hoping that we do have, I'm rooting for it just so there could possibly be a Triple Crown for so uh, horse racing could at least be center stage for you a little bit, Coach. So you can get more, like if you wanted to get some uh, some horse racing expertise on ESPN, uh, you get about 30 seconds of it. And it's Colleen Dominguez, real quick, she's really hot, or Jeanine Edwards, and she pets a horse, and then it's done with it, and they go back to uh, 58 minutes of breaking down why LeBron mm-hmm. James bricks clutch shots. So I feel for you. You can't get, I mean, where do you find your, your horse racing stuff? All I can say is watching, watching Colleen Dominguez talk about thoroughbreds can truly be a, a watershed experience. Yeah, she gets it done. Awfully good. By the way, new horse, it was not in the derby, but running out of the two post. I love this name. Teeth of the dog. I like that. So instead of hair of the dog, it's teeth of the dog. Teeth of the dog. That's pretty cool. Tiger walk in the one spot. Pretension in the three spot. Zetterholm in the four spot. Went the day well. Creative cause. Bodie Meister, the favorite. The Derby winner is not even the favorite. How about that? All right, we got to wrap it up, big dog. You going to be out on the uh, Chicago River today, my friend? Yeah, that's all there is why I didn't post on Twitter to listen to the show is I am at Water Riders. Come on down, contact me. You can probably go almost low simply for free. Beautiful. Can they take you home as well? It all depends. Lily uh, Lilac might not want anything to do with that, Coach. Yeah, we'll get over that. Just a minor hurdle. Have a great day. <laughs> Big dog. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Two guys at a mic talk zone.com signing off. We'll see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow, folks. Don't be late.